All right. Let's go. Well, it's 8:30, so uh, let's go ahead and get started. Um, my name is Phil Hissom. I'm from Orlando, Florida, and uh, work with an organization called the Polis Institute, and uh, we partner with churches and nonprofits to improve their work, uh, hopefully, um, particularly in regards to working with the urban poor. So what we do is research and training. Morning, Stan. <laughs> um, didn't see you there. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pray uh, if that's all right with everyone, and um, and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we thank you for another day uh, to learn and to live uh, and to grow, and I pray that you would teach us all something uh, that would uh, bring glory to you and. Help us be more helpful to others in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, because we do a lot of research and training, we're going to do a little quiz. So, like, you know those words when you were in school? Take out a piece of paper. Um, and I'm going to ask you a couple questions. So, if you don't have paper, I have some little pieces here I can give you. Uh, if I don't trip over and break my neck. Uh, somebody mind helping me? Uh, Pass these out to people who don't have a little piece of paper. So this is uh, how many hours a week you currently spend working with the homeless. How many years have you spent working with the homeless? And the last, uh, the third one is a fill in the blank. I now believe that the homeless are something um, than I used to think as a result of that time spent working with them. And... Uh, with whom do you most empathize? And I'll have to show you the next slide because there's some pictures on there. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to collect these, if that's okay. So if you don't have a piece of paper or a pen or something you can rip out, let me know, and I'll uh, make sure you get a pen or a piece of paper. I don't do a quiz of some kind, take some kind of poll every day, I don't uh, sleep well, so you guys are helping me improve my well-being. However you define homelessness, we're going to get into the definitions of homelessness, but however you, whatever homelessness means to you. Switch to the next slide, and we'll come back for the new folks so that we can. Uh... So this is for your fourth answer. It's A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, yeah, all in order. With whom do you most empathize? And we have a, a drug dealer, alcoholic, businessman, prostitute, homeless man, angry young man, ashamed convict, scared young girl. So the fourth answer is just A through H. Um, just one, most. Does everybody have that? This is a little early.
ready for quizzes. Everybody's like, oh, man, why are they asking me questions? I thought I was going to come in. And I'm going to go back to this first one in case you're just coming in. You haven't seen those yet. So this is kind of what your answer sheet will look like. It's just uh, you know a couple of numbers, um, a word or two, and then a letter. And uh, we'll wrap this up because this is uh, just kind of an intro here. All right, I'm going to move on unless somebody stops me. This is the people we were talking about most empathizing. If you could pass those to uh, to this aisle towards this way, and then uh, and I'll, I'll grab them. So much accommodating me here. This is very uh, treacherous. Okay. Well, thanks a lot. Um, we're going to get into talking about one of those pictures, a homeless man. And not all homeless are lonely, but many of them are. Uh, I'll show you. Just we we do this question all over the all over the place. This is sort of where our numbers are right now. Um, not a lot of empathy for prostitutes, drug dealers, and alcoholics. A hopeless businessman gets a lot of empathy. Uh, and uh, it probably has to do with self-identification. People have felt the pressure of, you know, uh, the economy and having to... And uh, some empathy, some amount of empathy for homeless uh, folks. So that's just kind of interesting to us. And uh, a lot, of, largely what we do is try to uh, encourage people, despite someone's apparent need or apparent uh, state of distress to kind of teach ourselves to look past that to potential, to assets and, and potential and capacity. Um, but we start with sort of what we're, who we're empathizing um, with. And uh, the homeless population, uh, you know, draws some amount of empathy. It draws a lot of concern, uh, societal concern. It draws uh, hatred. <laughs> From some, um, frustration and confusion, people who try to work with the homeless. So of those, when you wrote, for how many of you work, uh, uh, how many years have you worked with the homeless? Who, who in here has worked with the homeless directly more than, say, five years? Okay, where do you, where do you work? Do you work? Um, Cleveland Meds and Women's Homeless Shelter. Okay. And is it, so is it largely uh, chronically homeless folks? or yes. Okay. Anyone else more than five years of working with the homeless? Yes, sir. Where are you uh, doing your work? I work in Addis Ethiopia. One more time, please. I work in Addis Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And what's something that's changed in your perception of the homeless since you've, uh, over those 12 years? Most of them. It was the last phrase. Yeah, undoubtedly. And how has your perception of the homeless changed in the years you've done your work? Yeah. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. In my work with the homeless, I was in a seminary, a reform theological seminary there in Orlando, and um, I had uh, had a family tragedy. My I'm a, my, my family's been doing mission work uh, in uh, Appalachia for uh, since the 1930s. So I grew up in that environment, both on the good side and the bad side. We, you know, we lived the house was right next door to the mission, so it was almost part of the mission. I've seen firsthand both the, you know, the amount of help you can do, and then the, the strain that takes on a family. I, I grew to a lot of disdain towards homeless people because they seemed to get sometimes more care from my parents than I did. So when I grew up, I just kind of, I had a, actually I'd go as far as say I had a hatred towards people who were hurting. Uh, and then God softened my heart, um, and uh, over time I grew more, to have more empathy. But the turning point for me is my dad. Uh, my dad died in a very tragic way about three years ago. Um, and uh, it was very related to his uh, burning out in the work. Uh, just was nonstop, as a lot of mission work was, and ended up costing him his life. Um, and I was, I was obviously grieving over this. Well, I was um, doing work around the community, and uh, you know, I was getting a lot of advice from well-meaning uh, brothers and sisters, what book I should read, what I should do, but I wasn't really feeling very cared for. So I had just started teaching a Bible study with homeless guys, and there was a few of them in there, and uh, and I started asking them to uh, pray for me, and uh, God used that to change my life in a couple ways. One, they were they showed a lot more care for me than others were. They 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 were eager to to do it. They were eager to offer their uh, just support rather than their advice, and I saw something very special in, in these homeless guys that they. They had something of value, tremendous value, that was not getting recognized. Um, the other thing I noticed is more than half of them uh, would tear up when I just asked the question. So I was like, "What's going on here?" You know, um, I am. Uh, <laughs> there's there's a hunger there. I, I felt like we were both people were like in a desert. <laughs> I was looking for someone to to show me so, to to give me some support, and uh, a lot of them were looking for someone just to affirm their dignity. And uh, they have just just as much uh, capacity to intercede as anyone, uh, those who are, are uh, among the faithful for sure. And it just was an amazing experience, and God used that to, to, to begin a healing process for me. So I was all in, and I've uh, been teaching that Bible study now for a few years. It's, you know, we have anywhere from 50 to 70 guys, uh, and, and gals too, but mostly guys. Um, every morning of the week, I've gone to teaching it one day a week, and, uh, and we, get, we get them out doing service projects, and we're going to talk about that as a model for, uh, for addressing or responding to home- homelessness that's a little different than what we tend to do, and so I'll break that down in some detail, but that's the context. That's where my heart is in it, um, and we've seen amazing things happen by just looking at um, potential and capacity rather than how we're going to fix this situation. Um, so... If you look at statistics on homelessness, they're all over the map, or all over the place, because it's hard to, how do you define it? Like a gentleman asked, what do you mean by homeless? Um, so, and th- these, some of these debates get very contentious. Uh, well, these are some averages, and I drew out some of, the, some of the stats that we don't often think are a part of the homeless population. We, there's a face of homelessness, which is uh, 
We mentioned earlier this word chronic, which is uh, uh, you know a smaller percentage, but uh, the, you know consuming a lot of the resources for homelessness. And um, these are people who've been on the street for the most part, you know, for a couple of years or more, and uh, uh, often in and out of different inst- either institutions or service provide, uh, providers or or shelters or just known to be uh, on the street, health clinics. Things like that. They're they're identified as 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 a, as a chronically homeless population. The other definitions of homelessness are transitional and episodic. So I don't know if those words are familiar to you, but we have chronic homeless. We have uh, transitionally homeless are, are the vast majority. These are single single episode are called basically transitional. Something happens in life. Um, they'll enter care for a few weeks, maybe a month, and never come back. That's not what we think of homelessness. This is families. This is people who work. This is just a health crisis. Um, so I'm glad we're t- talking about this at a health conference because, you know, health care costs or some health crisis is, is perhaps the most common um, precursor to homelessness. And a lot of times it's a single episode. They come into the system in some way, receive care, and never come back. Um, the episodically homeless, they're not – Really represent one of these numbers here, but it's distinguishing. Uh, it's, it's it's basically that other uh, 10 to 20 uh, percent, and uh, that is you know five or six times a year are going to come into care, and uh, but we'll it's just sort of a, short episodes, and then they'll get back into some type of housing situation, and um, families represent a much higher percentage of the homeless than people think. Forty uh, percent is usually the uh, Around that number uh, is identified. Um, minors alone, about 5%. A real surprising statistic is uh, about 40% are going to work at any, at any point during a given week. And um, that's surprising to people because we don't think of, you know, if you work, you should have a place to live, right? <laughs> and uh, and uh, some of this is day labor. Some of this is different types of, uh, of work. But uh, eager to work, I would say the number is a lot higher, but actually finding work in any given week. The number up top, three and a half million, that's going to be across the course, you know, course of a year. So any given night, there's about 700,000 people homeless um, in America. You add that up to the total number of people that come into uh, to care um, throughout the year, it's going to be around, you know, three, four million people. So it's a lot of people. Uh, it, it ends up being about a percentage of the population, one percent of the population experience homelessness in any given year. So it's not a trivial matter. And again, this this number down here is the face of of homelessness, um, and it's uh, it's usually a man, and it's usually if we picture somebody who's homeless, we just think of a man, and uh, maybe a shopping cart, maybe uh, uh, sleeping on the street or something. But what's the first thing that comes to mind when you see this picture? Been drinking. Anybody else? What's the first thing that comes to mind? Yeah. Scripture, yeah, he's hopelessness. hopelessness, yeah. Maybe illegal. Maybe illegal, yes. Anything else? What, what's the first thing that comes to mind? What What was the first thing? Because it's been up there for a few minutes now. So. Could be mental illness. Could be mental illness, sure. So uh, the first thing that came to mind um, was probably not. Oh, hey, look, there's the image of God, right? That's just not what we do. Um, 
But uh, I firmly believe that everyone's created in the image of God. And um, that's, that helps us a great deal in our response. And we have to learn to do this. <laughs> you know, you work with the homeless a while or you're just casually involved in some way. Um, not going to be the first thing you jump on is like, oh, there's the image of God. And then you're going to get you're going to get lied to. You're going to get all these different things that are going to happen with people with, with mental illness or struggling with substance abuses. And that it's going to press against that. Uh, one of the women who works at our uh, ministry has been, you know, she's basically been a full time volunteer for about nine years. And she's just struggling tremendously with this right now. Because, <laughs> you know, how many times can you get lied to? Uh, how many times you get stuff stolen from me? Where you, and she's her heart, her heart, she has a heart of gold, but it's just it wears on you. So there's this constant training and 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 looking to God to uh, to help us see the image, uh, His image in other people that are struggling. But what a wonderful opportunity to grow in our faith and our understanding of what what our own struggles look like if we if we take this to God. Like, look, I really just looking down. I mean, just sick of these people, and take that to God and other people. He'll uh, he'll use that uh, as a way to to heal us and to uh, and to help us understand more about what he's like. Um, probably didn't think entrepreneur, <laughs> you know. So if you're an image of God, you have assets, you have capacity, you have something you can offer, and this will, this will relate directly to benefits to society. Uh, there are a lot of examples of people who have been homeless and end up being entrepreneurs in some way, and. Uh, that movie, Pursuit of Happiness, is kind of a, a kind of popular version of that, but it happens all the time. Um, let's see. I think there's one more here. Artist, probably not that either. Um, you know, we're not thinking of people with what they have to offer once their uh, need becomes so so evident. Um, well, this is a picture. This I just um, this past Tuesday at the Bible study, we uh, we're we're redoing our website and. Um, we, we had a kind of sketch of a new kind of look for the website, and it's a, a picture of someone, you know, kneeling over with a cityscape in the back. Um, and uh, so we asked the guys in the homeless in the Bible study, after Bible study, let's have a little contest. Let's do a little drawing of who can who can draw something up. And, uh, you know, the interest, great. I mean, across the board, folks were, were giving us some really good drawings. This is one. This guy did this in about ten minutes. Um, and uh, this is going to be on our website here in a few weeks, once we, and we're going to be able to uh, uh, recognize him, compensate him a little bit for his work. But I had no idea, and I've been interacting with this guy for some weeks, and we're constantly asking these, uh, you know, more asset-based questions. But uh, wow, that blew us away. You know, it's a capacity, and he's struggling acutely. It's not like he's got to get fixed, and then suddenly you'll have something to offer, right? It's kind of how we think of it. Let's fix them, and then they can contribute. But what we're going to talk about this morning is allowing people to um, the benefit, the opportunity to serve even while they're struggling. So this is we're, we're moving towards this case study of the service first model that we uh, we are trying to do down in Orlando. And uh, we didn't ask him anything else about how he was doing except hey, we draw us a picture, and uh, lo and behold, he's uh, he's uh, a really great artist. Okay, well. The models for homelessness have to do with a lot about what uh, what is emphasized, okay, or what we see first. So that's why we went over that. What do you see? What do you think of when you see this homeless guy? So that's going to sort of push us towards certain 
modalities or certain types of, uh, um, uh, yeah, just yeah, emphases. So the housing first model, and the rest of these are, na- this is the only one with a formal name that is recognized in literature and uh, a very successful model. The rest I just put in the same, um, you know, names similarly so we could contrast them by what we're, what is emphasized. Housing first. Anybody familiar with housing first? So uh, tell us, a little, to give us what you know about housing first. Okay. As a uh, as a and that's 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 very great. That's very good. Yeah. As a formal uh, uh, you know modality for it's uh, started in New York City, and this was uh, in contrast to a lot of the you know getting it, folks into treatment and requiring some type of uh, you know either sobriety or some type of success before housing was provided. It was housing first. So it was a low you know low expectations. A key, <laughs> and uh, with some constraints on a willingness to see a um, a caseworker once a week. Uh, but the the idea was that let's get f- folks into a place, and these were usually low residential. You know, like having your own uh, little apartment. A lot of hotels have been converted, so people have their own rooms, um, and uh, and given a key. Yes, you. Right. With shelters. And it was, you know, different allocations of community rooms, whether they go to the treatment or transitional. But it was getting them off the streets. It was to house them that they could stay, that they could have a safe place. And then there's some Yeah. And it's, 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 if anything, it's, it's, uh, for the chronically homeless, it's proven to be the most uh, most successful model of of getting them off the street and and leading to uh, to long term uh, changes, transformation, stability, um, and it's just been amazing. When it first was introduced, of course, it was it was uh, quite revolutionary, uh, and and a lot of people objected to it because of just uh, the thought was, hey, you're rewarding people for messing up in life. Given I want a place to live, <laughs> but it just—it was just what is really going to work, and it—it uh, it proves to be a very successful model. I would say of uh, uh, you know the two main uh, emphases for the more successful model have to do with housing first, being uh, being a part of the picture, and then prevention. Now you don't see prevention as part of this because we're we're we're, we're kind of entering once it's if it hasn't been prevented. <laughs> But if you want to know, just as a as a rule of thumb, that you know the the idea is you know prevent it by working with um, you know reentry programs, domestic violence shelters, things that are sort of the precursors to homelessness, and um, and 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 a lot of emphasis on prevention. And then if someone is, finds themselves uh, homeless, g- getting them into a uh, a safe environment. Moving down our list, I mean a very popular one. Okay, if if most chronically homeless are are, have uh, substance abuse at least issue, if not all-out uh, 
uh, problem, let's get treatment. They need to sober up first. And uh, makes sense. Um, very frustrating model to try to do. Some it depends. It's program by program. Some programs that do that are very successful, but it depends on how they really deliver those services. But as a general rule, it's not been as successful as the as the housing first, which is kind of interesting to me. Um, that uh, you would you would think uh, you would think that that would be um, uh, just makes sense if someone's a a drug addict, getting them treatment before they get uh, housing might make more sense. Um, repentance first. I call that because a lot of uh, the ministries, certainly down in Orlando, there's uh, there'll be a, a, you know Bible studies happen a lot across the, uh, across town and are very. When I listen to them and I visit other guys doing Bible studies, it's very um, you you need to change and uh, a lot of a lot of pressure to change and uh, and and to repent and and to believe and 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 I'm not saying that that's not uh, not good at all, but I am saying that if that's all you're hearing is like change your behavior, what you start to understand about God is that if I got if I fix myself, maybe God would like me. And I'm really glad God didn't treat me that way, uh, and I just don't believe that's the way He treats us. So, uh, and I, these are not to we're not putting these up against each other. These are all components of what I think successfully uh, addressing homelessness looks like. But I do see that some of the some of the way that the uh, uh, some well-meaning folks—it's just there. It's out of a good heart, you know. You want to see change, so you're pushing, pushing, pushing. But what what ends up happening, and I've known this from talking to people more uh, one-on-one, is just uh, a sense of shame growing. And there's a lot of shame with uh, with homelessness. You know, uh, everybody knows you're homeless. Every, I mean, especially if you're of the if you're the chronic variety who's not getting a, a opportunity to change clothes a lot and in Orlando, it's just you have a backpack and you're down at Lake Yola, which is in the center of town. You're you're homeless, and uh, Orlando has decided to not have uh, tolerance to the visibility of homelessness. So we were voted uh, third meanest city in the country towards the homeless, and um, and the the police were very aggressive. They uh, they just turned the dogs loose on uh, on our homeless uh, brothers there, and they don't know who they are. So I've had some of the um, um, sweetest people I've ever known in my life uh, hospitalized um, four days uh, after a dog attack and um, it's heartbreaking it is heartbreaking because I know some homeless guys that are very aggressive they're criminals and uh, but uh, they're not the ones that they sick the dogs on because they're they're too crafty it's the timid it's the timid guys who are not responding quickly to you know hey, get up off of that you know and so it's um, um, really, uh, Orlando has a very aggressive stance. And then when you take, you know, uh, well-meaning uh, Christian folk who, who have an opportunity to, to maybe teach about grace and God's love for us, adding more pressure, I think just shuts a lot of people down. And um, employment, of course, you know, a lot of, if you ask a group of people. What do homeless need? You know, they're going to be a good percentage that say jobs. You know, if you had income, you'd have a place. You wouldn't be homeless. And uh, and uh, that, again, makes sense um, to some point. But if you're struggling both with your just own self-worth and and maybe you don't have an ID, which is very uh, a common problem, and if you had it, maybe it got stolen, and you just you have a really hard time getting employment. So that one is probably of all, all five of them, I mean, the, 
even though as much sense as it makes, probably not the primary concern uh, coming out the gate. Um, and service first is the is the one we're we're uh, kind of investigating, uh, and now it's a little bit beyond investigation. We've done it for for about a year and a half, and uh, and that I, I will talk about a little more at, at, at length in a few slides. But it, essentially, it is uh, we do teach a Bible study, but we're emphasizing God's service of us uh, and then his call for us to be servants of others. So one of our first things that we do is, uh, after the Bible says, we get them out doing service projects to benefit the community. And I'll tell you about how that breaks down and the outcomes, which have been, uh, I mean, have blown us away. If we haven't done it uh, long enough or with enough folks to, 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 uh, to, to, for replication to really be uh, strong. But it's amazing anecdotally. Um, so what we do first is usually based on what we see first. So the housing first model, um, which is over here, you know, there's, there's a vulnerability. People with mental illness are on the streets. There's, there's weather. There's, uh, uh, you know, not changing your clothes and showering. There can be health problems. So vulnerability led to uh, housing first. There's, there's, you know, you're sick. You need treatment. Um, and uh, we see a capability. We see uh, potential as image bearers of God to do something beneficial even while they're in distress. And we see the very warm reception of that <laughs> when we bring it up. Um, not the first time, though. I've got I to be honest. The first time I said, hey, we're going to go out Saturday and, and, uh, and do some landscape and paint, and paint the, uh, uh, the, this uh, women's shelter. Uh, anybody want to come? And they're kind of like, What? <laughs> I wanted, but uh, once we broke through that, we had a lot of people show up and amazing things happen. You know, if you primarily see folks uh, on the street as, as sinful, then the repentance uh, first will be emphasized. And if it's their poverty or their lack of uh, you know, f- uh, physical re- you know, money, then uh, employment would be something that you would emphasize. So let me throw it out to the group for a second. Um, those of you who've worked with the homeless, could you... You talk about the modality that you're uh, working with or most familiar with, and, and, and maybe give us a story of how that's uh, worked well. We have, we have what you're doing with the capable and the service. We have a project where the men in Cleveland, we have donations of clothing and bikes and furniture and everything like that. But this bike program has been really beneficial. We bring in the bikes, and they gentleman that comes in and donates so they felt that they were learning a skill, being able to use the gifts that they they are taught and then re-enter a program and then also be able to be equipped to have jobs. So there's a lot more of that capable and service that is needed. There's a lot of great projects that Yeah. Great. Anybody else have a, have a story? And it doesn't, I mean, it could be, I mean, I'm kind of Revealing my hand here a little bit about what we emphasize, but if you, I mean, if you've gone to, um, um, I guess it's not really addressed, just hungry, um, and uh, you do a soup kitchen if people are hungry, but that's not really our problem in Orlando. Uh, people still think it is, but it's, it's, yes, sir. Last week, 
and I don't think I realized their true need of accepting 80% of God's forgiveness, but we're showing bitterness, not forgiveness in our life. I believe that we very well have not fully accepted God's forgiveness. Yeah. That's just something I think they struggle with. Sure, yeah, thank you for sharing that. Yes, sir. There was a, a, a guy I got to know, and uh, I mean, you talked about care, I and mean, that word stuck out to me. The uh, and just uh, um, um, what, what's going to sort of affirm their worth. I met a guy. He's been homeless. He's been homeless about nine years, and um, the uh, he's, he's a Christian brother. He uh, and he tries going to churches, and he invariably stops going. And I just asked him about, you know, why do why why is that not working out? And he just said a phrase that just sticks with me. He just said, I want to go to a church that needs me. You know, and as soon as I show up, they know, they, they, they either say it directly or they treat me as if they don't need anything from me. I don't know anybody who knows the Bible better than him. <laughs> you know, that's a lot of the homeless guys. We're really humbling to spend three years in seminary and start teaching a Bible study to homeless guys and, and they all know the Bible better than you do. <laughs> Because some of them, that's all they do. They, they go to the library and they have these uh, informal Bible studies. They read the Bible all the time. And uh, and uh, so I stopped trying to tell them what I know and uh, started learning from them. And uh, But he, he has this wonderful capacity to both teach and to be a part of stuff. And and uh, he just, it's that not getting cared for as someone with some something to offer, something very tangible. Um, well, this is a group of guys. Uh, this was our first... Uh, service project, and uh, it's the the ministry there that I work with is, uh, you know, I, I mentioned that our, our group is called Polis Institute, but we end up uh, kind of peppering volunteers throughout the city in different programs that do kind of a research as part of what they do. So the ministry itself is Compassion Corner, and I'm there doing what a volunteer does, but we also then do some research and help improve some of their own benchmarks and measurements along with, so we're kind of like a... Uh, just a value-added volunteer is what we, what we like to think of it. This was our first time out. There was not everybody who went out was pictured in this, in this, uh, in this picture, but um, it was working with another church uh, called Summit Church down there in Orlando, and they do these very big service project days. Like 1,500 people come out. Um, they all get T-shirts. So I, the service first model doesn't work quite as well if you just send the homeless guys out to clean up trash. What, what, is, what needs to happen is that they get to be a part of something that's not just about, okay, this is a, I'm not just a homeless guy today. I'm part of this church event. Um, so they come out, they get the T-shirt, and I can't tell you how much they love these T-shirts because there's something about putting that on and seeing you know 1,500 people with all this, thing, and I'm one of them. So something kind of, uh, if I believed in magic, I would call it magical, but something wonderful happens just from having this t-shirt one guy he, he wouldn't take it off for like three weeks afterwards which we, we need to get him another one <laughs> but uh it, but part of it was very it was very sweet because it just like it wasn't just he had another t-shirt he just loved it that much you know um well they went out and did various projects there was eight that came out um four of whom were chronically homeless um 
seven of them were off the street in, within the, about a month and a half. And the eighth one, uh, his uh, self-worth, he continues to come out and do the project. He's a very d- disturbed man, uh, schizophrenic, and, uh, and it's amazingly, it has an amazing impact on his life. So 100% of the people's lives were changed by doing this one service project. I had the opportunity to go talk to them afterwards with the, you know, once, once their life started to change. And I asked them, every, to a person, everyone said, uh, what was that when I was painting that uh, building? Uh, I just, the light bulb went on. I don't want to be homeless. Um, another guy met somebody on the project, ended up getting a job. Um, the, the, the gentleman I referred to with the schizophrenia, when I met him, he's a big, big man, um, very intimidating in some ways because of his size, but would not look up. I mean, that was his, he has a big uh, duffel bag, and he walks around and looks down the ground, never spoke. I never heard him speak, um, and this is over, uh, you know, course of some time after the service project. He walks into the ministry now, and he's the first one in line. He walks in and says, hey, everybody. I mean, it's just one of the other <laughs> leaders came up and said, what happened? I was like, he just went and, he went and did some landscape at, with some other Christians at a, at a ministry. And uh, like that, that was it. Now, I say that's it. I mean, that was what was emphasized, but there's other stuff. This ministry is very good at, at providing care, compassionate care. It, it's not services driven. We do, I taught a Bible study for, uh, I mean, for, at the Bible study for like two or three months. We went through every word, every time in the Bible where the word service comes up. And uh, what we learned as a group was it's usually not about the tasks. It's usually about something else, love, faith, and service is just this natural part of living. So we started saying this thing. It was called Compassion Corner, and the, and the view is volunteers come in and give compassion to these homeless folks. And we said we need, to switch, we need to switch that up. Compassion comes out of this place. So we started saying that over and over. Compassion comes out of this place. And so they started seeing themselves, and we would see them out in town, like, you know, pick, you know, helping out, and uh, and just that affirmation that you are uh, you are a servant of God, servant of people, and if you do that, something the benefit, you know, it's more blessed to give than receive. And often we we rob that blessing because we want it. We want to be the giver, right? And so we need to make givers, you know, uh, inspire givers. Inspire givers out of those who, who we see as needy people, and then they get that blessing. And it's amazing. I mean, we're blown away. And now we've, we've repeated it, and similar results. It's just, it's just, it changes everybody's life that comes out. Um, we, didn't, we haven't seen that many. Uh, that was, you know, 70 80% off the street. It's lower than that, but, we, but still, more than half, even if they're chronically homeless, within a couple months, they'll, they'll, they'll come back and say, hey, I got in this program. I'm like, wow, what happened? It's like, well, you know, I was doing that service project, and and uh, so we're we're blown away by that. The components of it are this: obviously, there's a service project, and I, I kind of I kind of identif- identified it's 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 it matters a lot that it's with another group, um, that it's not just them as a as a group uh, serving or, or picking up trash or something. Um, you know, it's funny. There's this. Mutual distrust that happens a lot with homeless. So we'll circle up before the Bible study and pray and hold hands. And, and every time there's a break in the circle, it'll be when two homeless guys are standing next to each other. And that's really sad. And this is a group, that, and, and no one will talk about it, uh, but there's, uh, 
you know, there's something going on there where this shame, personal shame, is sort of like, you know, kind of can lead you to look down on others in your same situation. In other words, if you feel really bad about how your life is going, someone's in your same situation, you, you can look down on them. Um, so that's why it's so important that they're, they're, they're sensing God's love and service of them through Christ um, that's going to propel them to, out of gratitude, serve others. And, uh, and even their, their fellow uh, homeless folks. So going out and pairing up with a church who's already doing service projects, not singling them out, hey, here comes the homeless guys, uh, just letting them be. I mean, we, you have to be smart. You know, we, we try to put them on projects where there are a lot of people. Uh, we don't put them on. We don't encourage them to do projects there where there's a lot of children. We just don't know. We don't know a lot of their stories. So there are safer projects than others, right? So it's like you're, you're smart about it, but you're you're not making that the focal point. You're just you know kind of doing the homework and uh, and getting them out, uh, uh, inviting them to do the work. And uh, the Bible study is a big part of it. It's um, the the way that we do the Bible study now is learner oriented. Every Bible study starts with a question, not with a teaching. So we say, who do you look down on and why? And we'll look at that. And we'll, then what, what they'll get to express is how much they hate the Orlando Police Department. And uh, I, we did the same question with the volunteers who come to that ministry. And when, they, when we said, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think of the police department? It was, wasn't anything that bad. They were stressed. They're overworked. They're, you know, and. Probably that's true, but man, I didn't have any trouble getting responses from homeless guys about the police department because it's just all they see is aggression towards them and uh, and uh, and hatred. And so, getting to talk about that, okay, well, it's not even if it's the police department, it's not okay to look down on people. So we can look at Philippians and uh, Paul's exhortation. You know, you ought to think of others more highly than yourself. How could it be possible for us to think about the police department in a, in a higher view? What would it take for us to do that? And we were able to talk about that. You see some heart softening. And it's a very different approach. So we, we, we ask the question, get uh, you know, the string of answers on the board, and then we can look at Scripture to get a scriptural answer. And I don't have to say, so see where you're wrong? <laughs> you just put two pieces of... Uh, Poster board on the wall and says, who you look down on and why? You know, what, how does the Bible teach us about that? And as adults, they can make the connection. And God does his work of, of conviction rather than um, just stressing how you're wrong. And let the word itself uh, elucidate uh, the sin. Minimal services. We, you know, we, we, you know socks are a big deal. Personal hygiene. You know, we give our bus passes to appointments. But we don't make that the centerpiece. We, we, we'll give people, and we'll give people uh, referrals to medical clinics, get them there. But we don't say that's what we do. What we say we do is fellowship, and you're, we're going to ask you to serve. Um, so volunteers show up and say, hey, we, wanna, we heard this is a great ministry. We want to be a part of this thing. And, you know, and right now we just don't really need any. Because if you've got 60, 70 guys showing up every day, or anything that needs done around the grounds, we just, we just, they're the volunteers. So we need a handful of very committed volunteers. And then conversation. Um, and this is kind of like soft counseling, I would call it. But people have stuff going on. They just need to share their story. And I, I, I mentioned at the beginning me, me getting into this work by asking homeless guys to pray for me. And that's how the conversation happens. You know, they're sharing their needs, prayer requests. I'm sharing my needs, prayer requests. We pray together, and something really amazing happens. 
through these conversations, through prayer, um, but more as a peer, peer-to-peer uh, conversation. I, I invariably ask uh, what's something they like to do. They'll tell me what they need. I don't have to ask them. And um, then we, uh, we share prayer requests. And I usually try to get an email address um, just so that I can uh, follow up with them if they're willing. And what I find out is 60 70% don't have email. And then we refer them to a place where they can get that. And if they get an email address, um, it's just easier to stay in touch with them because if they get a phone, they're not, they'll have it for a week or two. And if they're chronically homeless, they, it, won't, it won't stick around. So those are the, those are the four questions I ask of, of everyone. And what we see is uh, the outcomes that we want to see, which are these. Uh, housing, self-worth, employment, reconciliation. You mentioned bitterness. Um, a lot, I mean, a lot of people are on the street due to family breakdown, and they're bitter. They're mad about something. Somebody sinned against them. They sinned against somebody, and they're running. But there's a lot of bitterness. There's a lot of distrust. A lot of shame. And our job, we feel, is not to. Uh, they already feel that. We, we, we can work with that. God works with shame, uh, but we don't need to be. It's there. Uh, what is needed is grace, the, the wonderful message of grace and the opportunity to be a servant. And, uh, again, it's, it's approaching 100% from this service first. We're, we're 100% of the folks are uh, identifiable improvements either in their housing, they get in a house, self-worth, um, uh, get a job, and reconciliation with their families, you know, over 90%. And that's amazing. Now, if we'd done this for years and had thousands of cases, we would... <coughs> We could uh, write a book, but we're working on it. And we're, anecdotally, we're, we're very impressed and very encouraged. And, and again, in my life, it's just been a source of healing. You know, I've been able to uh, just uh, appreciate um, what I, not only just what I have, but that, that those in distress and those with apparent over, apparently overwhelming needs have something to offer. And if I don't try to fix them first... Before they get an opportunity to serve, something really amazing happens for them and for me. So I think we're uh, I think we're out of time. And um, so if you have uh, right, is this 20 after? Or we're supposed to stop, right? Okay. Um, if you have questions, or feel free to come up and talk to me. Uh, here's some of my contact information. This DignityServes.org is a blog that I uh, that I've started writing. Uh, the Polis Institute website is also there. So you're but feel free to come up and talk to me. Thank you for your uh, patience and uh, just being here. Oh, yes, yeah, sir. Hi. Sure. It's Chris Adams. I went to Wake Forest University, you know, okay. in Winston, and um, about four years ago, some students started going downtown and just wanting to listen. Yeah. Uh, and the respect, there's a lot of, I, I see so much of that also there. Yeah. Um, and I, now I'm gone from there, but I was hoping that I could put you in her, put them, give you them, no, give them your website, people that are still at student. Sure. Room, so, yeah. And I think the involving service component. Oh yeah. yeah. We were doing this thing with... Yeah, like trash just around the area. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't like we were like, here, do it. It was just like we had a picker up or thing. Yeah. And we were doing it, and then they started doing it. Yeah. And it was really good. So they kind of got to do it together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah that's, that's so it, man. Cool. Probably, they'll probably contact you. Okay, great. Thanks a lot. Hi.
Rachel. Hi, Rachel. I'm Phil. I was just, sounds very interesting. What kind of research are you, I'm a PhD student. Okay. I'm very interested in poverty studies and I'm just focusing my work on that. So have you published any articles yet? Or no, I'm, not yet, no. Well, we're, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's fairly, um, just uh, qualitative at this point, um, mm -hmm. and we're looking for some students there at uh, at the local university UCF to kind of partner with us to maybe do the research. I'm more of a pastor type, so with the, the kind of heart or like a interest in research, but so it's coming as we do more of it and have more uh, uh, data to work with. But we're compiling it as we so it's fairly formal when I do some of these interviews. I always ask the exact same questions, so we have a growing body of evidence and, and then um, so someone who does it is going to have a good good start but it's not probably not going to be me <laughs> so and where do you where do you do your work okay so but yeah I'd love to come and see you I might be coming up to Orlando on March okay absolutely yeah just uh just hit me with an email and uh, I'd love to just you know mention that it was this so <laughs> but uh and uh yeah that'd be great all right Okay, all right. Nice to meet you. Hi. Hi, how are you? Good. Good. Um, I just have a logistical question. Where do these, like, do these men just come to your center, or do you, like, go out and see them? Or? Well, the, the the Compassion Corner has been in existence probably uh, 10 years, uh -huh. so they just come. Okay. And um, so, yeah, it's just known. Is so. there... I mean, like the fact that you provide minimal services—is that, does that like, can you dissuade them from coming, or do like, do you, do you, do you yeah. Which is which is good because I mean there are other places that focus on services We're, and uh, we want to provide some because you know we don't um, but keep it minimal and keep it de we de-emphasize it so and it's a small place <laughs> so that also uh, keeps it to a limit so we're trying to pepper small ones around the city rather than have some big monstrous thing so but uh, yeah. all right thanks hey. medical care as well there's a yeah, the um, there are other we were referral. Okay. We refer people. Okay. We have a really good relationship good. with both uh, uh, a medical center and several treatment facilities, which will and transitional housing. So they'll take our recommendations. So that's what happens a lot. So so and so showed up, and we'll either vouch for them or say maybe not ready. So we're kind of a referral and advocate to the other. Thank you. I'm Okay. I was just wondering, um, how do you deal with, like, do they ever feel like you're using them kind of thing, or do they feel like, I don't know, that Not you're at trying all. to get service yeah. out of them, though? No? Nah, because we don't, we don't demand it. It's just an invitation. So, you know, we have 70 come out every day, or roughly 50 to 70, and the service projects are usually, you know, 6 to 10. Yeah. And no one's pressuring them. It's just we put them on the wall and say, be here Saturday at 7.30, and... They want to come, they come, and those that come change. And we don't say you should have can't. Yeah, there's no. It's just an invitation. So I don't. Th I'm pretty sure they don't. No, no, they love it. They love it. And, uh, they talk. About, they'll end up talking about it for weeks. Like yeah, it just it's fun. I mean like we all when we do service together, you know, we, it's enjoyable. So they get the same thing. It's a purpose. Yep, yep. And it's sometimes maybe it's been it's been years since somebody's asked them to do anything that wasn't either a pressure deal or just an exhortation to hey, get a job or 
or get in this program. It just was a soft invitation, and they're like, yeah, I'll come. And, um, and they love it. Some uh, questions I have. Yeah. Is one, uh, you said you've been doing this year. Do you have, I guess you mentioned your website there. I was curious if you have much in writing for referral, you know, for something. I mean, because, you know, I feel always in a, like this, I'm only getting a taste. Yeah. And I'm hungry for more, learn more, yeah. see how things work. Or maybe uh, I should just send you an email. Is that the way to do yeah, it? Yeah, send me an email. I think uh, we had another woman asked about that. I think it's about time now that we've been doing this uh, for this long is uh, is to write at least a white paper. Yeah, some sort of article yeah. saying that, you know, this is yeah. what we're doing, how we do it. Yeah. Number two, uh, because there's some principles here that God has brought in my life from totally different. I was just kind of curious. You know, are you familiar with Disciple Nations Alliance, DNA? Disciple Nations Alliance. Mark no. Moffat, uh, Daryl Miller, Proof of Hungry. Now, I think about an international mission setting. Yeah. One of the things, Bob Moffat in their work, they work with churches encouraging them to engage the community in forced transformation. And one of the premises is you can't get churches to unite doctrinally. Right. But you can't get them to unite in the area of service. Absolutely. So there's very, very strong emphasis on this concept yeah. of service because service demonstrates the love of Christ. Yeah. Even if you can't get people to agree on a doctrine. Yeah, yeah. So that was another concept in there. Yeah. And then when you talk about being learner-centered, the other big thing in my life is I'm familiar with community health management. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, I'm involved in that. Okay, great. And so that's why I can yeah, hear the Yeah, we're the, the local, them. like the Orlando uh, intermediary. For uh, for neighborhood transformation, so the yes, Chager. neighborhood transformation. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Stan Rowland, yeah. so he's doing a training. Here yeah, yeah, yeah. He was right, he was right up front here, so yeah. Uh, yeah. He, 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 I think he had some at 9:30. Oh, okay. So, well, well it's anyway, good. send me an email, and yes. uh, and I'll and I'll keep you on the list of when we get the white paper done. We'll, I would I would be delighted. I'd like to continue this because we live in Lexington, Kentucky. Okay. And uh, and then I'm with a mission organization, and our mission is ask, actually ask us to take some of these concepts. Okay. Everywhere. Great. And I would like to all the tools I can find. Okay. So thank awesome. You. Thank you. Hi. I have a question about uh, the overwhelming mental illness. It seems like among the homeless population. Yeah. I know you talked about the one, the one guy. And yep. how, you know, it really transformed. But what do you do about, I guess, the other population? And do you still do the same service? Well, yeah. The uh, the the service people that come out of the service projects are about only about 10% of the people who come to the Bible study, um, and so we just try to treat them as compassionately and lovingly as we can. And if they are interested, we refer them to services um, uh, if they are interested. And so I don't know if that answers your question, but it's um, we see benefit of people just coming. It's a place, it's sort of home to them. So some of these guys come; to, they're they're seriously mentally ill come to this every, they're there every morning at 8.30 so they don't have to show up to stuff uh, and um, so uh, and I, I think it's a benefit but those who actually show up to the service projects every one of those slides have changed that's open to everyone you just throw it out there yeah okay. yeah how do you how do you see getting I guess them off the street and getting them I don't know. My emphasis is I'm not a I'm not I, I this is a personal opinion I'm not that I, I don't if they want to stay on the street that's fine with me. And uh, there are other ministries that focus on getting them off the street and we refer them and we see them getting off the street from this doing service project. I just you know I teach the Bible and I try to love folks and if they some guys have been in Orlando, like Southern California. Some people spend 25 years on the street, you know. A lot of them don't want to get on the street. Yeah, they like their freedom. And it's like, should we? Um, so someone's got a mental illness that's been on the street forever. I still think they need to be loved, and 
They don't want to get out. That's fine with me. I, I, other people disagree with me, but that's just my personal. I'm, uh, yeah. But I know if they show up. Yeah. Ah, oh, that was a good thing to mention. No, I'm not. I will put this in my book, though. I forgot that people had these. So. Let me do that. Yeah, that's good. I'm gonna I'm gonna do that for the next one so that I can get more contact info. Yes, sir. How does it yeah. work with the? Did I? I'm sorry. Did I answer your question? Yeah, it's just uh, we. Um, I know we volunteer at different various clinics and um, we see a lot of mental illness and. I guess we're kind of like wondering how to respond to that, and a lot of times we don't know. Um, I mean, I, I know I can think of a guy a few months ago that came in four times in a row, same exact things, and you're just trying to talk to him and trying to get him services and, and, and putting in places, but it's just, I don't know, I just don't know what uh, my response should be, I guess. Yeah, it's a difficult question, you know, I think... Uh,